Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. Greg has the night off. I'm Matt Gates, bringing you the biggest stories in America right now. Stuck in the middle with you after weeks negotiating against one another, President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are Washington's newest political odd couple. They find themselves on the same team, working side by side to harvest votes for the Fiscal Responsibility Act released yesterday. But is suspending America's debt limit and accruing an additional $4 trillion in debt over that same time period responsible under any terms? The federal government often names legislation in the linguistic style of antonym. Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act, and inflation showcased a 4.7% increase just last month. The Green New Deal seems to subsidize the replacement of beautiful green spaces with ugly solar and wind farms. Most American family budgets still need a rescue from Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan. And now we get the Fiscal Responsibility Act. With a name like that, literally, the first thing you know for certain is that this isn't fiscally responsible. Tonight, President Trump's former budget director, Russ Vogt, joins me to break down how this deal came together, what it means for the financial health of the country, and the feisty politics now unfolding on Capitol Hill. Will the deal get done, and whose futures are in jeopardy if it does or doesn't? Progressives are seething over Biden's agreement to any work requirements for social services. Take a listen. Republicans are fighting very hard to make it more difficult for people to get enough to eat. Yes, to get enough to eat. They want to add new work requirements. Democrats wanted President Biden to hold the line when it comes to some of these issues that they were negotiating, most importantly, work requirements. Republicans included it in their bill in the House. They are demanding it. They say it's a red line for them. And then you have Democrats who they're going to need to supply votes to get this thing over the finish line as well, saying they can't support something that has really any form of Tucker work, work requirements. Meanwhile, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is working to calm the waters and resist a Republican revolt. North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop said McCarthy got, quote, almost Zippo in a fiery tweet attacking, quote, rhinos who have congratulated the House Speaker. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul was even harsher, tweeting just moments ago, fake conservatives agree to fake spending cuts and charging that, quote, conservatives have been sold out again. Utah Senator Mike Lee was so frustrated with the announcement that he vowed to delay any vote and mused with Republicans like this, who needs Democrats. But attacks are also incoming from the left. Progressive caucus chairwoman Pramila Jayapal panned the deal on CNN yesterday. First of all, let me say, terrible policy. 
absolutely terrible policy, does not reduce spending, actually, by some estimates, creates a burden on administrative spending. Really unfortunate that the president opened the door to this. And um, while at the end of the day, you know, perhaps this will, because of the exemptions, perhaps it will be okay. I can't commit to that. Across the ideological spectrum, including problem solvers, by the way, mm. uh, people feel that this is bad policy. The progressives are angry, but even moderate Democrat Jim Himes wasn't ready to jump into the deep end of the pool head first on the Fiscal Responsibility Act. There'll be a five o'clock call today. I have not made up my mind. The whole enterprise is a corrupt enterprise in terms of legislating this way. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm going to listen to what, what the president's and his people's arguments are. But no, I'm, I'm anything but a clear yes vote at this point. So regardless of how you think about a $4 trillion debt limit increase, and I hate it with the fire of a thousand suns, everyone must concede that McCarthy successfully wedged Biden from the Woketopians on very popular welfare-to-work requirements. Florida Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna will join me exclusively tonight to bring you inside the tense whip operation congressional leaders have ignited in the last few hours to pass the bill. She'll also share her plan to force Adam Schiff to repay the $16 million his campaign profited off the Russia hoax. You will not want to miss her plans to hold the most odious member of Congress accountable. Also breaking tonight is the Defense Department punishing red states over politics. Alabama may be at risk of losing U.S. Space Command due to the Yellowhammer state's abortion policy. Will other states in the Deep South and flyover country face further retaliation from the Pentagon if they resist the Biden regime's policies on abortion and radical gender ideology? Congressional Republicans are opening an investigation into the basis for the delayed decision to command America's Space Force from Huntsville, Alabama. As the Pentagon faces new calls to build lethal space warriors, are the grifter generals more interested in themselves becoming social justice warriors? Alabama's senior senator, Tommy Tuberville, is fighting back. He has placed a senatorial hold on the promotion of all military flag officers. Find out why he's deploying this unusually strong flex and how he's fending off criticism from both establishment Republicans and woke Democrats. Senator Tuberville joins me exclusively in moments. On the run and on the border, the elimination of Title 42 has created a new challenge for law enforcement, a higher percentage of gotaways. According to a Washington Examiner analysis of border crossings since the expiration of the COVID-era policy, a higher ratio of those encountered at the southern border are refusing to surrender. Instead, they're taking active measures to evade capture. America's sheriff and Republican U.S. Senate candidate for Arizona, Mark Lamb, joins me in moments to report on this evolving, dangerous situation from the border. And on this Memorial Day, we remember the fallen. We take account of the great American privilege that unites us all, despite our significant and meaningful differences. The most precious treasure of any nation is the blood of its bravest patriots, and it must only be spilled when absolutely necessary. And we must bind ourselves to one another in common destiny. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is a combat veteran who has seen the very best our military has to offer. 
but he has also been the victim of an accountability regime in our national security apparatus that seems to forgive the gravest sins while making an example out of anyone who dares to criticize the foibles and follies of the powerful. He joins me tonight to discuss the meaning of Memorial Day and the path forward for our beloved military. We begin tonight in Alabama, the collision site of abortion politics and military policy in dramatic form. For nearly the last half century, as courts and lawmakers have argued over fetal viability and abortion policy, there was one fundamental, nearly universal agreement. U.S. taxpayers will not fund elective abortions. It's called the Hyde Amendment, introduced in 1977. Here's Joe Biden's long-held view on the Hyde Amendment to disallow taxpayer funding for abortions. Are you still opposed to public funding for abortion? I still am opposed to public funding to abortion. Joe Biden's campaign said he continues to support the Hyde Amendment. That's a 40-year-old measure that prohibits federal funding for abortion services. The Biden campaign confirmed to NBC News that the former senator, he was a senator for all those years, continues to support the Hyde Amendment. Of course, like everything else Joe Biden's done, he's flip-flopped on this issue to appease the woke mob. But either way, the Hyde Amendment is the law of the land in the United States. But is our military following it today? You decide. So following the Dobbs decision, the U.S. military agreed to reimburse service members for abortion-related travel, subsidizing the overall enterprise of the provision of abortion. Joe Biden sought no vote on the Congress on this matter. He did it unilaterally. So someone else took unilateral action. Any one member of the U.S. Senate can place a hold on top military officers up for promotion. Senator Tuberville put a hold on all of them, hundreds, all to combat the Pentagon's new policy covering expenses and granting leave to troops who travel to obtain abortions. It has attracted the attention and ire of the Pentagon. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin writing a letter to the Senate calling this move, quote, irresponsible and unprecedented. In writing, quote, this indefinite hold harms America's national security and hinders the Pentagon's normal operations. The longer that this hold persists, the greater risk U.S. military runs in every domain, every theater, every domain and every service. Senator Tuberville's holds will most notably impact General C.Q. Brown, who President Biden has picked to lead the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Senator Tuberville has been criticized by everyone from Elizabeth Warren to Mitch McConnell, but he has not given an inch. Whenever they seek to advance military nominations on the Senate floor, Senator Tuberville objects, and I have been proud to stand behind him in observance of this political courage. It's often quite rare, especially on the floor of the United States Senate. But that isn't the end of the story. Retaliation incoming. The Pentagon may be trying to make Alabama pay, and your state might be next. You see, for political eons, members of Congress have scuffled over where to locate military missions. Many communities like mine in Northwest Florida, we want as much mission as possible for the economic and cultural value. Fortunately, the House and Senate Armed Services Committees are among the most bipartisan in Congress, and studied lawmakers have traditionally put politics and parochialism aside 
to meet America's defense needs. Troops went where training was most optimal. Sailors went where necessary to project American power. And airmen bed down wherever Uncle Sam needed to hold the higher ground. But now, things might be changing. The decision about where to put the Space Force Command has been delayed. It was set to move to Alabama, Senator Tuberville's state. But now it might remain in Colorado. Is it woke politics, political payback, or both? Senator Tuberville joins me now. Senator, as head coach at Ole Miss, they called you the riverboat gambler because at times with less talented players, you were willing to do everything and anything to win. How far are you willing to take these holds on military flag officers? First of all, thank you, Matt, and thank you to the Freedom Caucus for coming over several times and standing behind me and beside me during this, uh, during this fight. It's almost a four-month fight now. It's going to continue, uh, but they're fighting all they can, and they're doing all they can to to make me give, but I'm not doing that. And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. It, it, can you say politics? They're putting politics into everything that's going on right now, especially with what's happening in Alabama with Space Command. We're going to fight it. And uh, th they know they're wrong with this. But at the end of the day, I think we'll win out because we're right. Uh, since Roe Wade, as you said, uh, the Biden administration has looked for any possible way to put federal government uh, in the abortion line to where they can do anything they want. And it, and along with the VA, military the same way, uh, I'm going to stop them if I can. Uh, we are pro-life in the state of Alabama, uh, but that should not prohibit any military base. If they want to start this, they're going to have to start taking a lot of military bases out of a lot of states and put into blue states. But I don't think that's going to happen. We, we, we're no, going to win this We've fight. avoided that. Sure, we've avoided that. Now, President Biden has nominated General C.Q. Brown to replace General Milley as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Here's General Brown with me in a recent congressional hearing. Take a listen. She asked you why the terms mom and dad were disfavored. And, and you said that you're working to build cohesive teams. So just wondering, how do the terms mom and dad impair cohesive team building? You know, part of uh, leadership is understanding the people you are privileged to lead. And as you have that opportunity, you get to know them. And every one of us grows up differently and has different experiences, different backgrounds. And we can't assume when we engage with them. They think mom and dad might be offensive terms. Senator Tuberville, will you hold up the confirmation of C.Q. Brown to become America's top uniformed military advisor if your needs are not met? Well, as you said earlier, Matt, the only thing that I can do is put a hold on them. Now, they can go through regular order, and I would imagine if they want to get him through, they'll go through regular order, and in other words, one at a time instead of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 at a time. Uh, it, it's just unfortunate that, you know, we're going through this situation. As you just talked to General Brown about mom and dad, well, who would ever thought we'd even have to talk about this? Um, <laughs> this the far left, is they, they have gone so far uh, over the boundaries of wokeism, uh, they don't understand what they're doing. Uh, I, th I think they're lost in the woods somewhere just trying to figure out what, you know, how do we get out of this? But they've gone a long ways. Uh, General Brown's probably a good guy. Uh, I don't know him that well. I've talked to him a few times. But at the end of the day, my holes will stay. And again, if Schumer wants to get any of these through, he's going to have to go through one at a time uh, because we're going to hold our ground and we're going to stand up for the Hyde Amendment and for the taxpayers of this country. 
Uh, I certainly hope that the decisions against Alabama that are being threatened are not retaliation against you for being bold. Senator, while I have you, your reaction to this Biden-McCarthy deal on the debt limit, is it something you think you'll support in the Senate? No, I don't. As I look at it right now, and again, I haven't completed it, you know, as you well know, Matt, this, there's a lot of if, ands, and buts between the lines in this. But what gets me is the $4 trillion that they will overspend in the next two years. And I know we've got to lift the, the, the debt limit uh, some. We've got to get a deal. We don't want to default on our debt. But uh, uh, there's some things that uh, McCarthy got him to agree to. That's a big step forward. But I'll tell you, you know, $4 trillion is a lot of money. They spent $5 trillion in my first two years and your last two, uh, the last two years in, in our Congress because they had power. $4 trillion to $5 trillion more than we should have spent. Uh, it's just embarrassing where we're at. We absolutely have to put more downward pressure on spending than that if we want to save the country. We know you're doing your part. Senator Tuberville, thanks for joining us tonight. You bet. Coming up, Congressman Adam Schiff has been trying to get Trump for six years, but now some swift justice might be coming his way. Learn about the hefty fine he may have to pay when we come back. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Plenty of evidence. That is one of the many times California Congressman Adam Schiff spent his time trying to convict Trump in the court of public opinion and breaking tonight. Congressman Schiff will soon face a floor vote on his censure and a potential whopping $16 million fine for his furtherance of the Russia hoax. The long-anticipated Durham report revealed that Russia collusion, that whole investigation into President Trump, was not properly predicated. According to Durham, investigators searched for evidence to reinforce their biases, and they ignored key evidence that should have ended the matter altogether. Instead, we got the sitting Intelligence Committee chairman performing fiction such as this. How solid is the evidence that it was the Russians. It's very solid. It's uh, indeed overwhelming. We do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. He was working on a deal that would require doing away with sanctions for him to make money in Russia. That is a real problem. Follow the money. This was a very politically profitable venture for Congressman Schiff. He explicitly solicited campaign donations tied to the Russia hoax frenzy. Now, Florida Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna is forcing a vote on the censure of Schiff and the largest fine in the history of the United States Congress. She joins us now. Congresswoman Luna, before I get to your Schiff censure legislation, what is your take on the Biden-McCarthy debt limit deal? You know, unfortunately, I don't think it's doing much for the American people. You know, the way that it's being chalked up is that it's, quote unquote, historical um, savings for the American people. But when you actually look at the context of the bill, it's really going to put us towards $4 trillion more in debt. And that's not what we initially had agreed upon, nor initially expected really coming out of the speaker. So I will not be voting for that. I think that it's only going to contribute to some of the problems that we have in this country. And I just want to remind people, remember how the GOP was signaling that we were going to defund those 87,000 IRS agents was well, in this deal. That's not the case. 
I'm with you, Congresswoman Luna. I don't expect that this legislation will get my vote either, but there's two theories of the case on where we go from here. One is that this is such an offense that we blow the place up and send the House into great turmoil. The other theory of the case is that we try to reschool the fish, focus on the appropriations process upcoming, and hope to get deeper cuts. How do you think it'll go? Um, you know, honestly, I have to get up there and kind of see what everyone's saying, but I think it'll probably be the latter. You know, um, sometimes you have to take strong positions and stances and really um, sometimes you have to blow the place up. But I think in this instance, we might get a second bite at the apple. But unfortunately, Matt, you know, as a freshman kind of going into this process, seeing how it really all runs, I can tell you that a lot of people from the area that I represent here in Pinellas County in Florida's 13th Congressional District are not happy with this. And frankly, um, I'm representing them. I'm representing their voices. And I'm going to make that known this week. So let's get to your censure resolution. It would be the most severe accountability Adam Schiff has faced to date. You call for him to pay a $16 million fine. Are you confident that Republicans will back this play and that your legislation will pass? You know, they're going to have to uh, go to the floor and explain to their constituents if they decide not to why it is that they voted to protect a criminal like Adam Schiff. Exactly like you had pointed out, Adam Schiff was the head of the House Intelligence Committee. He said that he, quote unquote, saw this smoking gun, fundraised off of it, and was responsible for, responsible for not only ripping apart our nation, but furthering a lie that basically caused a sitting president to have not only his authority and position to be undermined, which some people would maybe call sedition, but also, too, was responsible for helping the FBI investigate him. So what he did, he so should he'll, be he'll, he'll probably get a good amount of legislative immunity under the speech and debate clause for any of that. But the Russia hoax wasn't just pushed by Schiff. The media embraced it. And even now, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was making these claims back in 2018. Take a listen. I want an answer. Do you think okay. he's guilty? I think he's he's crazy. You I think, think he's, he's guilty. Yes. I, what's I think, he guilty of? I think he's guilty because he of knows. What? what did he do? Okay. Well, he's the one who can answer that. I think. No. He what knows. is he? You said he's guilty. What's he guilty of? Well, I think he feels that he there is something that's going to come out about Russia. Remember, there's there's money laundering. He knows what the Trump organization right has been that. doing. Yeah. Wild claims made by a lot of folks. Do you think that your censure resolution regarding Adam Schiff could actually lead to broader accountability for the lies that were told about President Trump in the media, in Democratic circles and elsewhere? Most certainly. I think it would definitely cause people, especially those in leadership positions, to really think twice about what they're going to say. But really, Matt, I think that it's going to also to prove to the American people that the Republican Party is not just lip service. You know, people are frustrated. Why is it that a guy like Adam Schiff seems to be getting a pass when he did something very wrong? Um, I know now that there are other members that have come forward to support this, to include you. And so I look forward to bringing that vote to the floor and we're going to force it. I am with you. Adam Schiff is just the worst. And if you're allowed to do this like he did with the intelligence community, undeniably it will happen again. The Luna resolution must pass so that Congress can reckon with this, this terrible thing that we did to the presidency and the country. Congresswoman Luna, before you go, you and your husband both served in the United States Air Force. What is your message this Memorial Day? that we love and respect our country, but that your, uh, the sacrifices made by your families is not done in vain. And we will continue to fight for you and all the veterans in Washington, D.C. Congresswoman Luna, thank you so much for joining us. President Trump's former budget chief, Russ Vogt, is sounding off on the Biden and McCarthy debt deal. What does it really mean for the American people? Russ Vogt joins us next.
You know, everybody's reporting the same stories, the same spin. You turn the channel, it's always the same. But not us, we're different. We report the real news, no spin, just the facts. Turn to us and you won't turn back. Tune in to Rob Schmidt tonight on Newsmax. We've got good news. We've got a, just spoke with Speaker McCarthy and we've reached a bipartisan budget agreement that we're ready to move to the full Congress. And I think it's a really important step forward, excuse me. <clears throat> and it takes uh, the threat of catastrophic default off the table, protects our hard-earned and historic economic recovery. And the agreement also represents a compromise, which means no one got everything they want. We are back to break down the specific concessions House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wrestled from President Biden in exchange for a $4 trillion increase in the debt limit. Russ Vogt was President Trump's budget director. He currently leads the Center for Renewing America. And if you pull the thread on the Republican debt limit position, it runs back to Russ. McCarthy based his plan on the House Freedom Caucus plan, and the House Freedom Caucus relied heavily on a budget put out by my next guest, Russ Vogt. Russ, I know you are a critic of the Biden-McCarthy deal. What is the key feature missing? Spending cuts. We, the House passed $5 trillion in spending cuts to deal with the debt that we were facing and to put us on a road to fiscal responsibility. This doesn't have that. This is, at best, a freeze. And the more we learn about it, the more we realize that it actually increases spending. But it's a, effectively a freeze of a $1.6 trillion discretionary budget. And it does nothing to be able to deal with where we are as a country. And that's really the, the issue. And to get past the election, $4 trillion isn't just you know, one year. It's, it's a two-year deal to get through the election so that Joe Biden is going to be running on this. And there are no leverage points against his administration and all of the things that they are doing as a woke and weaponized government against the American people. So it is, it is massively problematic. And I'm, I'm honestly quite floored. It was such a route in terms of the negotiations based on where they were. They had the strongest of hands coming out of the House. So McCarthy would say he got work requirements, he got administrative pay go, that technically next year, if you look at the numbers in just the right light, that it would be less spending than subsequently. And McCarthy would likely also argue that when President Trump was in office, when we had unified Republican control of the government, we never created any downward pressure on spending. So why can't McCarthy at least acknowledge that with one half of one third of the government, he did the best he could? Well, let's look back. I mean, we had Democrats that were in control of the House of Representatives and the Republican Senate that had no desire to ever consider the cuts that we were putting forward. So in terms of the look back, that's where we are. This country put the House of Representatives in, in the Republicans' hands to do exactly what they did not a month ago. But here's the issue, is that they are never actually uh, doing what they claim in this bill. And just take this administrative pay-go. There's much ado about how this bill will allow for the uh, regulations to be paid for with cuts within the administrative state. But it's everything is is able to be waived by the OMB director. So it's, it, is, it, it is a reform that if I was that OMB director still, that if I was working with a Republican agency, yeah, it would be useful. But when, the, when it's in control by Democrats who want to spend money and then you give them a waiver, they're going to use the waiver. So every reform is like that when you study the fine print. They have an automatic continuing resolution. It's not actually an automatic continuing resolution. It will actually create pressure to have more omnibus bills that we saw just last year. So as I've studied it, Matt, 
every claim that the leadership has made breaks down on further analysis. And as much ambiguity as they're trying to put into this, the American people know that this is $4 trillion that gets the President Biden through a critical time frame. And that's why he's out there gloating, taking questions from reporters, because he knows he won this thing fair and square. Uh, I do not like the suspension of the debt limit, the $4 trillion in additional debt to accrue that that gaslight is, is deeply troubling to me. But there's two ways to go from here for House Republicans. One is to burn the place down, to view this as the most central violation of trust between the leadership and the membership. The other theory of the case is they're probably going to get a majority of House Republicans to support this. And so what we have to focus on is reschooling and setting up for the appropriations fight in September that is to come. Do you believe that House Republicans will be able to get focused again during that appropriations process to check this woke and weaponized government? I would make two points in that in that respect. Number one, this is a clear violation of the power sharing agreement that you all, the mighty 20, secured in the speaker's battle. You ensured that they would be, that leadership would be in coalition with you, House conservatives, not with Hakeem Jeffries. They are violating that by going in this direction. And the last thing I would just say is this prejudges the appropriations process. So if you care about it, the appropriations fights in the aftermath of a caps deal, there's only two years of caps, that is now a floor and a ceiling, and there is now no leverage whatsoever to make sure that you get riders or spending cuts or that you can go lower than this. It is going to be a, 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 a difficult time of futility. Will I be there to help you all and, 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 and make it useful? Yes. But the idea that just let this thing pass and then we'll get on with the appropriations process is just going to be a very disappointing thing for the American people. What's challenging is that often in Washington, we confuse the debt limit with the debt floor. And if we gaslight the ability to accrue debt, we undeniably will. That is how potentially what we're watching unfold with the Biden-McCarthy deal could inform on the appropriations process and further hinder leverage in that process rather than enhancing leverage. McCarthy would point to the work requirements as a major win. Also, the fact that in the permitting process, rather than waiting five years, seven years for environmental assessments to come through. There's now a two-year limit on those things. Do you believe that that will drive sufficient growth to help us with receipts so that over this two-year period, maybe not all of $4 trillion in debt is truly accrued? Not particularly. Just look at the work requirement. Even one of the better work requirements only gets you about $100 billion, $150 billion, and they took the Medicaid out. And so it's now just a SNAP work requirement. Or the permitting reform. Yes, it's permitting reform. We need permitting reform. But this allows permitting reform for renewable projects that are killing our energy grid. And they took out all of the repeal of the subsidies of the Green New Deal. And so you look at this and just, you have to assess, does this actually advance our interest? And I think the answer clearly is no. They have been able to muster some things that sound conservative, but I think over and all, this will not pass the test historically and in the moment about what's necessary to get our fiscal house in order. Russ Vogt, President Trump's former budget chief. You know, we may have to get you back in that Oval Office one way or another to help us get better deals than this. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, man. And coming up, why are a higher percentage of illegal aliens evading the Border Patrol? Arizona Sheriff Mark Lamb explains after the break.
We return with troubling news from the southern border. The Biden administration has allowed roughly 6 million to enter America illegally. Many of these people simply surrender to Border Patrol. Surrendering has little or no negative consequence. We don't prosecute the crime of unlawful entry anymore, though we definitely should. We actually end up releasing these millions of people into the country after about 48 hours of processing. I even watched one woman at the border in designer heels complain to Border Patrol that she had a flight and would this be taking much longer? We've made it that easy to violate our country. So why would people even bother to run or evade capture if they weren't involved in other criminal activity? The problem is that many are. It's terrible enough that we have observed 1.7 million known gotaways during the Biden presidency, which is three times as many as during the last three years of the Trump presidency. But now, a new Washington Examiner analysis suggests that the ratio of gotaways is actually growing. In the months leading up to COVID, there was one gotaway per 4.3 apprehended illegal aliens. Since COVID, that ratio has changed to one gotaway per 2.5 illegals apprehended. More people are running, and they aren't sending their best. Here to discuss what it all means is Arizona sheriff and Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate, Mark Lamb. Sheriff Lamb, how should Americans think about the dangers that these gotaways present? Well, they should be very concerned. I keep saying this is the greatest threat to America right now. We don't know who's coming in. We don't know who those gotaways are. Many times they work directly for the cartels. Um, they work directly in these human smuggling organizations. Maybe they're Chinese nationals that do not want uh, to see America succeed. Maybe they're Russians, Ukrainians. We saw during the week of um, Title 42 going away, 44 different countries in the Yuma sector alone. And then the Tucson sector, which is the sector I'm in, is leads the way typically every month in Godaway. So this is very concerning to me, and it should be concerning to a lot of Americans. So since Title 42 ended, we've seen less encounters at the border, yet the number of Godaways has increased with 40 percent of these people evading the police. What technologies or techniques do you see the cartels using to try to facilitate their escape from Border Patrol or local law enforcement? You know, a lot of people forget that these cartels, they are transnational organizations, should be terrorist organizations, um, because that's exactly what they do is strike terror. But they're businesses, and they're all about making money. And this was like a Labor Day sale. They used our politics in the end of Title 42 as a Labor Day sale for everybody, like, hey, you better hurry if you're going to get in. Now, they have to be a little bit more cautious because Title 8 has more ramifications. If they get caught under Title 8, now they might actually maybe not be able to come back into the country for five years. Imagine that if we actually enforce that. So no, I think what absolutely. you're seeing now is the cartels being a little bit more cautious. People, they're spending a lot of money, money that many times they sold their houses and everything they owned just to get to that point. Um, they're going to be a little bit more cautious. They're going to roll the mm -hmm. dice and try to be a godaway in that situation. You and I know that this is happening on our border on purpose. And it is so frustrating to me that even some of my Republican colleagues will not support the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. There you are on the front lines seeing these impacts. What would you say to a Republican in the House of Representatives reticent about supporting an impeachment of Mayorkas? 
I would say if you want this problem to go away, if you want to protect families from fentanyl and all the other dangerous drugs, and if you want to protect these people from being enslaved and being put into the sex trade, uh, the children being put in the sex trade, the 85,000 missing children, then you need to hold these people accountable. There is only so much we can do on a local level. I tried to do more. Now it goes, most of this has to be held accountable on the federal level, and we rely on Congress to hold these folks accountable, and that is by impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas, because he's responsible and Joe Biden is responsible for this absolute disaster and failure on the southern border. So you are a candidate for the U.S. Senate. We're seeing some of these details come forward about the Biden-McCarthy deal. If you had a vote on this deal, what would it be and why? Are we talking about the debt ceiling? Sure. The Biden-McCarthy debt, debt limit deal. Would you vote for it? Look, I, I, think we, uh, I think you guys are getting it right, Matt. Um, look, I think we all understand that there may be a need to raise the, the uh, debt ceiling, but we've got to hold government accountable, and they've got to reduce their spending. The rest of the American families across this nation are reducing spending, and we're dealing with cuts every day, and we don't see the government make any effort to do that. Um, we've got to hold this government accountable and make them uh, take those cuts. We all know there's way too much bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. Matt, I think you know that better than most. Absolutely. Sheriff Mark Lamb wants to see more cuts and more border enforcement. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Sheriff. Thank you, Matt. And coming up, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller separated from the military because he criticized senior leadership. When we come back, he has a message you won't want to miss. Welcome back. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller separated from the military following sharp criticism of the Pentagon's leadership. You might remember this viral video from Scheller calling out the lack of leadership and accountability in the U.S. military following the disastrous botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Following this, he turned in a resignation letter, citing his reason for leaving as a lack of confidence in the military's ability to lead. The response he was met with was downright un-American. Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, who proudly served our great nation for 17 years in uniform, was thrown into the brig. Stu, thanks for joining us on this Memorial Day. And as a combat veteran, what does Memorial Day mean to you? Thanks for having me on, Matt. Memorial Day is one of the two days of the year that we get. We don't have a month celebrating history or pride. And so it's important to me to remember the people that gave the ultimate sacrifice but more than that, the people that love the idea of America. Recently, I've been thinking about what's one thing all Americans can agree on, and it should be that America is worth fighting for. Those great Americans that went out and lost their lives, I try to take a moment to remember them today, and hopefully we can all just take a moment to do that. With a military that is making so many decisions based on some of these social justice goals, what confidence do you have that the military can be saved as a valued and honored institution in our country? Yeah, I'm actually very concerned about the new selection for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs because there's some dangerous things that have been said there. Uh, but I think the United States military has the best training facilities. Their budget, $850 billion north of that, is larger than some countries' GDP, and they have the best young talent. The one thing that needs to be changed in the United States military is the leadership. All roads come back to that. We need a new president to pick a strong secretary of defense, similar to Marshall after World War I that cleaned up the general officer class and allowed someone like Eisenhower to ascend. The current national security establishment doesn't work, and we need stronger leadership.
You are so right. It starts at the top. Now, you have a new book out, Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's Generals and Politician, present company excluded, I'm sure, uh, where you're demanding accountability now in the military. What do you think are the most important steps? I think, I think the most important step is to change the military system to a performance-based system. Right now, the mm. new selection for the Air Force chief that wants to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is talking about just cutting white officers off, off the top without performance. Hopefully, we can all come, come to an agreement that there should be standards, whether you're an F-16 pilot or an infantry officer, and the best humans get to serve in those positions, like any good team, and that we all move in one direction as a team, and race should not be a factor or sexual preference should not be a factor. It should be one standard. And I think with strong leaders, everyone can get behind that. And that's the direction I'd like to see us move. Well, sure, sure. Of course. I mean, the military has long allowed us to better understand the content of people's character as a principal value set over the immutable traits that are reflected in the color of one's skin. That is so American, and that is the America we are so proud that you fought for and that so many of our brave patriots fight for. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, for your service and for joining us tonight. Thanks, Matt. Why do Democrats and established Republicans want to save you from yourself? We will discuss after the break. Democrats and establishment Republicans have spent years telling you that they are the vanguards of democracy, the protectors of the republic, and that they keep the MAGA horde from overrunning elections and seizing power under the force of a grandmother's walker or maybe even the spell of the QAnon shaman. How ridiculous. And apparently, what projection? Listen to how concerned they sound that you might live under the tyranny of too many choices. It's an ever-growing crew. Stuart, it's pretty simple, is it not? The more Republicans that run, the easier it becomes for Trump to win. Politically, by staying out of the race, it's a smaller field, maybe tougher for Trump to get the nomination. I didn't want to have a uh, pileup of a bunch of people fighting. He, Donald Trump, doesn't have to get a majority of the votes. All he has to do is get more than the rest, and if they're splitting the vote, he wins. If we want to win this thing and have it not be the former president of the United States as a Republican nominee, then we got to make sure the fewer people get in, the better. Fewer choices, that's what you need as the American voter. According to the experts, the American Republic is to be upheld and cherished, glorified. Always be a skeptic of politicians who tell you that too many choices are bad for you. Americans don't need the rich or the media or the elite to define the limits of what is acceptable to the voter. You get to make that choice. You alone, unencumbered and unafraid. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Don't worry, Greg will be right back here this time tomorrow. Have a great evening. Let's go get them.